Hi, I'm Josie, and you're listening to an episode of the Reach Australia podcast. This episode is called What's the Point of Kids Ministry? with Sarah Blanche and Andrew Horsfield, recorded at the recent Reach Australia National Conference. We hope you enjoy it. So I'm Sarah, Sarah Blanche. Um, uh, 15 years ago, I was part of a church plan in Wagga, and we started with three kids and two of them were mine <laughs> but uh, I had the really great privilege of being able to start up the kids ministry from scratch and I really loved that. I'm no longer in Wagga and that was sad but um, new adventure for our family um, but it was great just thinking through the who's, what's, why's and how's of kids ministry and this is Andrew Horsfield and I think he prefers you to call him Horse. <laughs> um, he's at H- Hunter Bible Church um, and he's been there leading the kids and youth ministry, kids and youth or kids? Everything, the whole lot for 11 years, watching uh, congregations grow to multiple congregations and t- setting up teams and um, training leaders, discipling kids, all of that. Um, and though, um, although we're here running this workshop, that doesn't mean we have all the answers, it doesn't mean we do everything perfectly, you will, you will know the same thing, that we're always aware we can always be improving what we do, working on it, uh, doing it better, especially when things keep changing in church circumstances, as the past two years will Um, have proven to us. Um, But what we've got to offer today is things that we've learned along the way, wisdom we've gathered as we've sought it for ourselves in our own ministries. Um, And some of this stuff is even so new, we're just having a go at it right now. Uh, So you can be our guinea pigs. Um, Now, I realise that we're all from different settings. You would have heard some of the different settings in your groups. So what we mean by kids' ministry could be very different. Our kids' programs, our kids' ministry could look different across different churches. Um, maybe for you it's keeping the kids busy and out of the adult's hair so they can get on with the business of um, their adult program. Maybe you've got time to give them a Bible story for five or ten minutes but you don't want to keep them too long or they'll start getting restless so you just release them out to play and hopefully there's not too much noise or injury. Um, Maybe kids ministry is something that happens on the side and maybe your leaders feel like they're missing out on the main event in adult church when they're out serving in kids ministry. Even the word out, yes, that says something. Um, It might be that you really, really want to do the best for your kids in your church family, but you're under-resourced, haven't got a building, flat out, things going on everywhere, and there's just not enough leaders or resources or whatever for you to do anything more than the basics of kids' ministry. So I just wanted to ask... um, what is kids' ministry then? If we've all got a broad picture of it, what is it? And, and what is the point? That's our seminar. What is the point of kids' ministry? Um, when we wrote the description of this workshop, when Horst and I were putting it together, um, you'll see in the brochure we said, um, every single person, every single human that walks through the doors of your church um, needs to be grown as a disciple of Jesus. And that includes kids. So not on the side or making sure they have fun or whatever, or as long as they're quiet, but actively discipling everyone in your church family, including kids. But it's... um, And that that states an intentional... It's an intentional thing, isn't it? Purposeful thing. Purpose-driven discipleship. What would it mean for you... I'm just putting this out there. What would it mean for you to disciple the children in your church with the same kind of commitment that we disciple adults in Bible study groups? We know that all the effort that goes into Bible study groups and how we run those. What, what would it look like if you had the same level of leaders and the same amount of energy as that? There's three big things we're going to aim for in this workshop together. I think it's on a slide, horse, maybe. No, sorry, it mustn't be there. So the three big things. Number one, uh, to see the big picture purposes God's given us for discipling kids and youth. To give you some practical tools to work towards these purposes. And then to show you how to start raising the energy and engagement uh, of parents and leaders and your whole church family for discipling kids. I'm going to hand over to Horst and he's going to take you back to first principles, looking at God's purposes for kids and youth ministries. Don't take my notes. All right, where do we get to? Um, yes, now... No doubt, you, you guys know this is a room where, and people in this room, that you're going to find those very, um, a lot of familiarity uh, with kids' ministry is just busy, right? 
there's a lot to do. It's a very program-intensive um, ministry to run. Um, there's lots to do. And, uh, uh, but programming, I want to introduce you to a, a way of thinking that I've been introduced to through Reach Australia that, um, that fits program in uh, a bit further down the line because I know that, that that's where I was at when I first started in, in youth ministry. Here we go. There's lots to do. There's lots to run. And, so, and it's a seven-day turnaround, right? We've got to be busy doing it. Um, but I, I want to encourage you to take some time back to think about um, purposes, um, then the people in our programs before we get to the programs, and then we've got to measure that. And I'll go through that in a little bit more clarity for you now. Um, so what do I mean by purpose? Um, these can be your theological purposes. Why, what do you uh, understand theologically for the... Oh, I've lost our slides. doesn't matter. Um, insofar as uh, infant baptism and when is a child a Christian, these are some theological convictions that you'll need to work out. We're not going to dive into those today. But they will drive, when you get clarity on that, through your programs um, and things like that. You'll also need to uh, articulate a desired culture that you want to have in your church. That's, uh, and so for kids' ministry, we want to have a culture where the discipleship of children and teenagers is valued throughout and not like Sarah was saying, just get them out of here so we can concentrate on the adults. That would be my, um, my recommendation. I don't think I need to win any of you to that. Um, but then also, what is the purpose? What are the practical outcomes? What do you want to achieve through the efforts that you and your teams and your leaders are putting into these kids? Um, yeah, what, what do you want to achieve? What's the purpose? Why are you, why are you running um, the programs you run? People, uh, we want to then have, uh, once we've got a nice clear purpose, where everyone's clear on the purpose, we want to have the right people in, uh, in the right seats in the bus. That's, so our leaders... Um, who are our leaders? We want to you know, think wisely about the leaders that are discipling our kids. We don't want to get anyone uh, in. We want to have some, um, some minimum, that they are a Christian, that they understand the gospel, uh, but also that their lives are such that their, their lives are also a witness to the character of God um, as they go about that. Uh, we also then, what team culture do you want? Uh, or what is healthy among that team um, as you work together to keep discipling uh, the children to reach that purpose. Uh, but then also the people, who are you trying to reach? That's a helpful question that I've heard time and time again from Derek as he's been interviewing people. Who are you trying to reach? So that's a question for you that you need to work out. Our contexts are all different. And so who are you trying to reach? Um, that's something that you need to work out in people because there's the purpose first, and then the people then are going to drive the program that you, that you run, that we run. Um, and so then there, the program, I don't need to tell you what a program is. Um, you, that's your life. You live in that, right? But having a clear purpose and with the right people in the right places and a clear, uh, I'm going to use it crudely, target audience, um, who are you trying to reach, that then really helps us to critique the programs that we're running, to think smart into the programs we're running, are they achieving the purpose that we really want for these kids and teenagers? Um, and it helps us to then to improve. You know, we've got a lens to improve it and to go back on. Uh, and then performance, um, we can't really measure anything, the success of anything unless we measure the performance of it. Um, it's a crude word again, um, but it starts with P. So, hey, it works. Um, there is a whole seminar going on. Uh, around measuring and statistics and what should you measure and what should your church be measuring. That's a really hard one for kids and teenagers, but there is a seminar. It's happening right now. Hopefully someone from your church is at it. Go and, uh, and find out what they're running. But uh, So let's dive into the purpose a little bit now. We're going to do a bit of an activity. Um, now, this should be in the next slide. Right here. Kids, ministry, okay, let's start mature Christian. Let's maybe change this picture. In your books, cross out mature Christian and put in a 20-year-old who loves Jesus purposefully. And now we've got a bit of an age range that, you know, fits in our wheelhouse. We've got, um, yeah, and slap a backwards cap on them. That makes it um, <laughs> 20-year-olds, right? At least mine do. Okay, and now we're going to do a bit of an activity. Um, this side of the room... In your groups, we're going to do a bit of a think-pair-share. I want you to think about uh, what are the, uh, 
the dependencies, the characteristics, uh, the behaviours of babies and toddlers and start there um, and brainstorm that and then we'll call them out. This side of the room, I want you to think through what are the behaviours, what are the characteristics, uh, what are the dependencies that you would love to see in a 20-year-old who loves Jesus purposefully. I'll give you a minute to think, two minutes to share, uh, to, to talk, so talk with someone and then we'll share them back as a group. Okay? So this side of the group, think through the, um, the characteristics, the dependencies, um, the behaviours of a toddler. Well, so what are, the, what are we aiming for in a 20-year-old who loves Jesus purposefully? Clock's on. All right, so you've got space in your, on your worksheets or if you've downloaded it to, to jot all these down. We don't have a whiteboard. Um, but this side of the room, what did you come up with? What are the, the, the dependencies, the characteristics, the behaviours of babies, toddlers? Call them out. Needy. Needy. <laughs> come on. Like a sponge. Like a sponge, yep, that's good. Yeah, open. Reliant on, on us and who else are they really heavily dependent on? Parents, yes. What else? So that uh, trust in someone, yeah, that attachment, whether that's a leader that they're familiar with or, again, their parents. Yep. What else? Young, young kids. Impulsive. Impulsive. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Some of us still are, yeah. All right, what else would you add? The energetic. Energetic, yep. How can we harness that? Always good to, to work out how we can harness that. Mm. Yeah, very concrete thinkers. Mm. Curious. curious, yep. Very good. Still, they're all, but very, you know, along with that compulsive, still fairly selfish. They've, their worldview is pretty narrow or doesn't have a big radius, does it? I right, said. So, yeah. Yeah, really still very heavily dependent on their parents, um, not just for food and shelter and care and love, um, but yes, yeah, from a teaching point of view, raise me, show me. All right, that's good. Uh, keep, keep jotting stuff down. This side of the room, um, what did you come up with? What characteristics, behaviours, dependencies would you love to see in a 20-year-old? Even just think about, uh, no, let's go there first. Which one? That would be awesome, wouldn't it? They read their Bible regularly. Good. Keep going. Yeah, they would love for them to have had what you would call that Copernican revolution. The world doesn't revolve around them. But everything revolves around God and their life too. Yep. Keep coming. Wouldn't that be awesome? Sacrificial time, money, that they're generous with both of those. Good. Others? Intentional with who they meet with. Intentional with who they meet with. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. So a rounded. Rounded, yes. A grounded, yes. Rounded and grounded. Let's go there. <laughs> we can work with that. Rounded and grounded knowledge of Jesus. How, how do we get there? How, how does a, someone get that? In church, in small groups, reading their Bibles. Yes, sorry, I think I cut someone off. Yes. Yes, yeah, so, uh, so I'll repeat that just for the, for the recording, that they've transitioned well. And there was a reason why I chose 20, because they're not at school anymore, are they? 20-year-olds, um, this is uh, something that I was... Uh, sat down and thought hard with, them, with my youth pastor, we don't just want to hold on to them and help and see that they're doing all these things at 18 or when they hit year 12, but there's sort of that proof, that outcome, that purpose is going to be really clear if they're still doing these things at 20 and they've held on to uh, their identity in Jesus and they've survived those temptations that are there, whether it's uni or just going out to work, you know, they're 18, they can go to the pub, um, all that sort of stuff, but no, their identities in Jesus, they're dependent on Jesus, they're, their world revolves around Jesus, they're generous uh, with their time and their money, wanting to serve others, uh, and I think one that has, hasn't been mentioned, wouldn't it be awesome if they were just telling their friends about Jesus? 
they're inviting their friends in. I think you've just painted now uh, that everything in between there, that's kids and youth ministry. All right? Uh, and that's not the programs we run. That's the purpose that we want for every one of the children, not just in our programs now, but for those families that are going to join, those uh, friends that are going to be invited along to youth group or kids club, that they would come to know and trust Jesus and still then become a 20-year-old who loves Jesus purposefully. Um, now, that's really good. Uh, let's make sure we are... We're, we're Bible people, though. We're evangel, um, evangelistic um, Bible teachers, so let's make sure we've got this ground in the Bible and not just sort of plucking stuff out of the air. And I thought Herdy was going to do this for me last night. Um, we're going to read a bit of Ephesians 4. Um, so get out your Bibles on your phones. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16... Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Before uh, I read that, though, I do want to do a bit of a recap um, of some of the stuff that Paul covers in Ephesians 1 and 2, because this is a, a bit of a doing passage. Uh, this is what um, Paul's encouraging Christians to do, and it's always good to make sure we're reading this in context before we dig into the content. And so I want to pick out a couple of things that Paul has uh, spent chapters 1 and 2 going through how that we have become in Christ. That's a phrase, in Him, in Christ, is a phrase that comes up regularly in uh, chapters 1 and 2. Um, So Ephesians 1, 4, we've been chosen in Him before the creation of the world. Uh, 1, 5, we've been predestined for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. 1.7, 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins in accordance with God's grace. 1.13, marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Uh, Ephesians 2.5, we have been made alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our transgressions. 2.6, we've been raised up with Christ and, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus Uh, 2.13, now in Christ, we who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 2.21, with Jesus as the chief cornerstone, in him we are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So with that as a context backdrop, now let's read Ephesians 4.11 through 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. All right, so what did you notice there that what God wants for his people. With that context, that backdrop, that in grace, we are now in him. Maybe hit that next slide. Next one after that. What did you notice in the passage? Maturity. Maturity, yeah. Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the love of God. Yep. What else did you notice? Grows, yes. Grows and works at growing, and at what level? A personal level or in number? Yeah, that's right. So it's a personal growth, that maturity, but also building itself up. Building. Herdy took us through that last night. We don't need to dwell on that one. Absolutely, serving, equipping the, uh, the saints for works of service. Yeah, these are things that God wants for his people. You can see this, how this Pentagon now, sort of where that comes from, the basis of it. What else did you notice? 
I love that. Yeah, I love that phrase. Not tossed about uh, by the every wind of teaching and cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Yeah, so important, I think, for our kids and teens these days who really are, particularly our teenagers, have got before them a plethora of identity challenges and issues. And so, yeah, let's build them up in the unity of faith and the knowledge of Jesus so that they aren't blown about. Good. Have we covered them all? Any more that you've noticed? Diversity. Oh, sorry, who's there? Diversity. Diversity. What do you mean by that? As in, like, even Yes, so diversity, different gifts that, are, that make all that possible. possible. Yes, as each part does its work, gives us that, that idea of, um, of diversity. And then the, you can see washed through all of that in love. Yeah, the way we treat each other, we do this in love. We build each other up in love. Speaking the truth in love. Yeah, absolutely. And so you can see how with this, uh, this, this Pentagon uh, that you saw last night, it's in your diagrams again. This is everything that God wants for his people. Is there any restriction to kids and teenagers here? No. It's what we want. We want this for our, um, our kids and our teenagers. So let's start doing that now. Let's make sure. Let's be del- I'm not saying you're not doing this, but let's make sure we're really deliberate at helping our kids and teenagers grow in all of these areas because that's what God wants for him because they are part of the church. Um, this has been the basis that I've used at Hunter Bible Church alongside uh, our youth pastor to go, all right, what is it? What is the purpose that we're running our programs for here? What is it that we want for these teenagers and kids? Uh, and we've come up with not so much a, a little slogan or a, a catchy, pithy phrase, um, but a picture. And as we talk about this with our teams, it's a picture of the 20-year-old. We'll ask our teams uh, and our leaders, Imagine picking up the phone on the 20th birthday of the, the kid, the, the teenager that you're discipling. What conversation would you just be absolutely fist-pumping on? And it's everything we just described, right? I would love to hear that, that that person that they taught at five years old, at ten years old, has clung on to the faith. God has held on to them. Uh, they are involved in a church. They are actively involved in a church, serving, growing, uh, encouraging others, but also sitting under grace, repenting, and then telling their friends all about Jesus. So that's a picture that we put in front of our, our leaders uh, to say, wouldn't it be great if we, uh, under God, through the work of our programs, see thousands of 20-year-olds living for Jesus? Because I think statistically, once they hit 20, if they're doing that at 20, every chance that they're going to be doing that for the next 60 years. That's how we can, under God, fill churches in the future and be a blessing to the churches of the future uh, with kids that have just been grasped by the gospel. Um, Who was it said it last night? Paul Harrington, that their identity is, no, that's my phrase, being so captivated by the gospel of grace that they willingly live for him and never recovering from it. I love that phrase from last night. uh, and again, I think when kids and teenagers have had their identity so rooted in the, the identity that Jesus won for them on the cross, then they're going to survive those teenage years where they're thrown at, you need to work out your gender. You need to work out your identity, your sexual identity, your sexual activity. All this stuff is in front of our kids these days. Um, but they can see that and go, no, my identity is in Jesus. And so let's work hard at that. So that's a picture. Um, it's not a pithy little vision statement like a business would use, but a picture that we use um, at, at Hunter Bible Church. And that really helps us then ask the questions, what is the point of this program? Is it working towards that end? Can we change it so that it better works towards that purpose? Again, all under God, absolutely, and under the work of the Spirit. Should we chop this program? If it's not working towards this, maybe we should chop it. Reallocate resources. Is there a better way? Um, there's some space in your handout. If you want to articulate or something's been sort of popped out now to what is the purpose of your ministry to children and teenagers, jot something down. Um, I heard one recently. 
in partnership with parents, we want to transform a generation for Jesus. I love that. I thought that captured all of that really, really well. When you write something down, though, don't just leave it on a piece of paper. Go back, talk about it uh, with your team, use it a lot, uh, make it the DNA of your kids and youth ministries so that anyone asks, why, why are you involved in kids' ministry? I want to grow 20-year-olds who love Jesus, that are living purposely for him. Talk about it, use it, make it a, a catchphrase. Or what are you on about? We're on about in partnership with parents. We want to transform a generation for Jesus. Make it something that, that it gets used. Now, before we stop off for some questions, um, I want to just outline three ways in which this has been really, really helpful for us at Hunter Bible Church. Um, and it's only been the last couple of years that this, is, this clarity has come. Um, I'm going to put in a little plug now for the Reach Australia Development Program. This is where I was introduced to this Purpose People Program performance thinking. Um, and I found it wonderful. And I've had a coach now for uh, 15 months, 16 months, to really help me work out what this looks like um, at, at my church. I'd highly recommend it. Get on to it. I'm sure they'll mention it again. But uh, should be next slide there. Um, these are the things that it's really helped for us at Hunter Bible Church. And it's given us a unified language and a unified goal across our kids and youth programs. When I sit down with our youth pastor, um, we are working together in a, with a united goal. And we love each other's ministries and we see how each other's ministries are feeding into it uh, and, see, and celebrating and enjoying the growth that, and the, the way God's working in the hearts and minds of our kids and, and teenagers. Uh, we dream and we strategize together. And that's been really wonderful to have just, again, someone to keep bouncing that off. And something that we can all do together is keep bouncing off each other as a network. But uh, uh, even better than that, it's really clarified and changed our programs to grow these particular purposes, the ones we listed in Ephesians 4 in the lives of the kids and teenagers. And it's given us greater clarity for the leaders, particularly our youth leaders, and, uh, but also our kids' leaders, They've been able to go, oh, I get what you want me to do now. It's no longer, oh, I want you to run a game on Friday night and I want you to do a discussion group and uh, I want you to make sure that the kids are really welcomed really well. They've gone, right, my goal is to do what I can under God to see these guys cling to Jesus at 20. And it, it's just been some light bulb moments going on. And so for our recent youth camp, a um, couple of weeks back, they had it as a goal that every single teenager would have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a youth leader about, so where are you at with Jesus? What's, you know, what struggles are you having? What do you need to work out? Um, all that sort of stuff. It's been really wonderful just to see their leaders go, oh, I can do that. And it, it, but it's wide enough for them to really initiate and, and work at it. We've uh, then used that as a picture to cascade down with, to the teenagers and kids. We can now say to them, well, the reason we're here is we want you to, to keep living for Jesus. We want you to understand Jesus so that when you're 20, you're living for Jesus. Um, and they go, oh, okay. That's why we, every Friday night, we don't just play games, but we do get into the Bible. Which is why when we run, we will call them double up nights or bring your, invite your friend nights. That's why you want me to invite my friends. Because even the action of inviting friends is going out of a comfort zone and it's growing them. And so they can see where we're going now. The other thing that it has done is, um, as leaders have, have grasped this, they go, not just excited, but also just a little bit daunted to think, you want me to do that? And it's gone, oh, we should pray. Because this is heart work, right? This is not just... Um, put in X, out comes Y. This is heart work and it's really driven our team to praying for uh, the kids and teenagers that they're discipling. I think that's a massive win already right there. As our teenagers um, particularly, or uh, as a, an example of helping us to critique what we do, uh, we were running a midweek Bible study for our um, teenagers to come along to Wednesdays um, down at our building and we we're getting about 30 kids along to that and that was pretty good. As we realised, uh, as we thought about it, we want this for every single teenager and, and child in our programs. It's gone, 30 is not enough because 
Scripture is what changes people. Uh, and through the, the Spirit, that's where they're going to gonna have their eyes fixed on Jesus and be rooted in the Gospel. Where, where are the other kids that are not here on Wednesdays? And they've, they come up with their own problem, uh, own solutions. They went and said, well, let's put on more groups at different times and in different locations. And so six months later, that's what they did. They doubled the number of teenagers in their small, going deeper groups. Brilliant. I thought that was a really helpful um, way to think critically through having a clear purpose. What do our programs look like? Are they achieving that purpose? And making changes, being, being critical with that. All right, the last thing, um, uh, understanding. Um, it has given us a common understanding. I said that, uh, I mentioned it earlier already, of what the kids are being asked for. Um, and then so when we've asked and said, hey, you should get involved in serving, they've understood. Why? Because they've understood that end goal. And so we've seen a massive surge now in our youth wanting to be on ministry teams. And in fact, it's sort of become a bit of a, a challenge um, to find appropriate serving ministry opportunities for them. Um, around church. And so I've been putting that to all of our, our ministry teams. How can you have a teenager involved in your, your ministry area? Um, or who, what, is there a teenager you can bring alongside what you're already doing? Because this is going to be good for them uh, in the end. It's also been given us uh, a, a unified understanding of what we're wanting to achieve. And so as we articulate that to parents, this is what we want for your child. They go, I want that too. And then they get out, um, make more of an effort to make sure their kids get along to, to youth group, to church, to kids club, um, because they can see, oh, so it's, it's, yeah, it's hard. I've got to battle the Friday afternoon traffic, um, but it's worth it because I see that I have, I understand now why you put on kids club on a Friday afternoon. I'll make the effort. All right. Um, that's a fair bit. That was really new to me when I heard it. Uh, that may or may not be new to you. So we've just looked at our ideal 20-year-old, like from two or whenever they come into your programs, up to 20-year-old. Um, and we've looked at this ecosystem diagram thing that some of you are probably more familiar with, with, with than others. How do, we, how do we do it? How do we grow a healthy discipleship ecosystem that then matures the two-year-old into that 20-year-old that we want to see? Um, well, we, uh, if we want to communicate it to uh, not just our leaders and our church and our staff team, uh, but our parents and our kids and our youth, it has to be simple and memorable. So we stole the Reach Australia Pentagon. Here it is here. We stole it. And with a bit of help from Chris Barnes at Barranduda, we put our kids' ministry hats on and we've, I won't say butchered, we've changed it. Uh, we haven't changed it that much, really. So we changed um, serves others with loves serving. And we changed uh, in community with love God's people. Loves God's people, sorry. We changed loves God. We didn't change loves God. We kept that one the same because it was already good. We changed on mission. You can probably guess this now. You could probably say it for me. Loves the lost, and we changed deep in the word to loves God's word. And so you can see what it's going to be called, the five loves. Yes, simple and memorable and um, easy for kids. Like you can now help kids understand what you're doing in kids' church as well as youth understanding. They're a bit smarter by that age. Um, and I, I just add to what Horse was saying before, cascading it down all the way to your kids helps them to get on board with what you're trying to do for them. And so I found it helping in our discipline in the classroom because you don't have to say sit still or whatever. You can have a conversation with a child, particularly if it's a repeated thing. Um, or it might not be sitting still, I might be pinching someone, right? Um, what's, what's, you know, what's going on for you then? Which one of these are you struggling to do? You can refer to it. You can say, look, why do we come to kids' church? Well, we're coming to love God's people. That's why we come to church, because we want to show love for each other. So you can just refer to this, and it helps them to know that they're actually trying to grow in that. Um, it doesn't always work, but you're reinfor um, reinforcing what we are here at kids' church for. Um, we're here to 
um, grow deep, uh, sorry, love God's word. So when they're struggling to concentrate or they're saying it's boring or whatever, well, that's, that's how you feel right now, but I'm here to teach you and convince you and I want to show you just how amazing God's word is because together we're growing in our love for God's word. Anyway, that's a little um, aside. Uh, what else does this mean for kids' ministry? Not just about um, uh, discipline control or whatever. There's three things I wanted to highlight for you that this, in relation to kids' ministry. And the first one is that all of these, if you're familiar with the ecosystem explanation, you'll know already that these are interconnected. They're not separate. So one has an effect on, on the other. And we know as we uh, grow deeper in God's word, we will grow, we'll love the lost because we'll see God's heart and we'll be captured by it. And we'll... Um, we'll we'll grow to love God because God's word explains his character and we can't help but grow in our love for God when we're um, learning about his character and and so on. Like they're all interconnected though because if um, there's synergy between them. So one that I like to think about is um, you're asking an adult to serve in kids' church as a leader. Uh, As they start serving on a team alongside others, often the membership or the love God's people will grow because serving alongside somebody... Uh, is good for your connection, yep. Also, you will grow in your love for God's word because in in preparing the lesson, you're getting deep in God's word and um, growing in your love for his word and also growing in your love for God. And you're expressing that love for God to the kids as you lead them. So there's a lot of synergy. You can see that as you're even just the simple task of serving as a a kid's leader helps you grow yourself. Um, as well as helping the kids grow. So this is this kind of ecosystem thing. And when we're talking about parents and we're talking about children, families, it's, it's all part of the ecosystem, isn't it? So when I'm teaching a kids leader how to do, their, do what they're doing, how to lead, very likely they're also a parent or will be maybe one day. Um, it's all... Uh, I've had parents come and say, I know how to disciple my children now because I learnt it when I went to toddlers and had to read the Bible to kids and I've learnt it from watching others and I've learnt... Um, there's lots of benefits. Anyway, so the first one, they're all interconnected. One affects the other. They're not individual. So in answer to... or part of an answer to the question about pro- separating them out, um, we will be separating them out in a bit and that's what we're going to do is work on them individually but they will all have a, an effect on each other because they're uh, interdependent. Secondly, discipling at home and discipling at church uh, are both important. I had a quote from um, the book uh, Relational Children's Ministry. I don't know if any of you have read that one by Dan Lavaglia. It's very American and he has a lot of heavy reflection on his own situation, but there's some really good stuff in it. And he has this... um Oh, yeah, sorry, that was the first point. Yeah, here we go. Children are formed into disciples of Jesus when a community of Christ followers love them and model for them what it means to follow Jesus. And while engaged families are essential, it takes the entire church to make it work because this is an ecosystem. So we don't want um, parents subcontracting the discipling of their children to church. I've seen it (laughs) Uh, because parents are busy. Both parents working, they get home at the end of the night, they've got half an hour before their kids have got to be in bed and they're up again early in the morning to get them off to daycare. Yep. So we don't want parents doing that. We don't want them subcontracting to the church and we don't want the church ducking and shoving saying no that's your job to do that it's a partnership we've got a common love for the children and a common goal to see them grow um, and mature in Jesus so it means we will have to work together we will want to understand and appreciate and work with the limitations of family life and we'll have to understand appreciate and work with the limitations of church life as well Um, yes parents have time some more than others But on Sundays, we are intentionally preparing and thinking through and working hard to present a program that helps them get deep, does all these things, but obviously a big part of it is getting deep in God's word. At home, if you ask most parents how often they would sit and prepare and think through and disciple their kids in such an intentional way, it's hard work, isn't it? If you're a parent, you'll acknowledge it's hard work. It's valuable and it's good and we should all do it. Um, but church is still uh, super important. So they're all interconnected. Church and family life are both important. And thirdly, I think this is the one probably that needs the biggest emphasis, Um, this ecosystem does not mean a whole lot of extra work for you or your teams. 
doesn't mean a whole lot of new programs. I'm not, we're not saying you need to have a program for each of these. Um, we're not talking about creating a separate kids ecosystem. I think that would ruin the ecosystem because kids belong in the uh, church ecosystem. Um, when you're working, and, and so that means you're working with and in the existing ecosystem that your church has. Um, so as a kids ministry leader, horse referred to this before, you can advise or advocate for kids with your other teams in church and whatever role they have. If you've got a mission team, say, you might be um, asked to help them organise a kids mission or you might say, we need a kids mission and they might take that on board. Like there's ways that you can interact with them and that, of course, running a kids mission will help your kids and kids outside and um, help them. You'll, there'll, there'll be opportunities for your kids to serve. There'll be opportunities for your um, kids to work alongside each other and help each other and grow in love for each other. Um, uh, I'll go into the other example later. Yep. But yeah, the membership team might ask for your input on how to make sure families will be welcome at a membership night, something like that. If your church doesn't have purpose areas, it's just other ways that that would work out. Yep. Um, so we're not suggesting you need a whole lot of new stuff um, because it's not about doing stuff. A lot of this is just about being intentional in what you're already doing. Um, and I'll explain a bit, about, a bit more about that later. Um, it's more about how we relate to kids, what we teach, um, what kind of leaders we need and what we're training them to be um, and how many we need. Um, so in a minute, you're going to think through intentionally into these areas with your butcher's paper. Um, but I just wanted to give a quick um, little bit more fleshing out for kids, what it means for kids for these. Um, we'll start with love God, this one. Um, so this really is one about a lot about how we do what we do. So if we want kids to respond with wholehearted love for God, then we need to model that. Um, it matters how we speak and act. I could teach kids church in a monotone from a script and the kids, it won't even get in one ear, let alone come out the other. Um, and for teenagers, this is really important. We talked before about their faker meter. You know, it's really um, moving around. They can, it's on high alert. Um, so we need to figure out how to help our leaders, how to train them to express their love for God in the way that they teach uh, with energy and enthusiasm and excitement. Uh, love his word. We want every kid, I don't know, I think you'd agree with me, at the end of our kids and youth programs, we want every kid to at least have a Bible of their own, be familiar, be able to pick it up, open it up, feel confident to read it and understand what they're doing with the Bible and know that they go to the Bible to get to know God better and um, find his wisdom and be comforted with his promises and yeah, like we want them to know what the Bible is for and be comfortable to um, pick it up and use it. Um, Loving others, of course we want kids to come out um, of our programs and into, someone said that before, integrated into adult church, feeling like they belong, feeling a deep connection and love for their family. Um, loving the lost, we know how good it is when you hear a child praying at night before they go to sleep for their friend that they know doesn't love Jesus. They have that age where they all of a sudden realise, oh, not everybody's going to heaven with us. And um, it's beautiful to be able to pray with them about that. We want... We want to um, grow that in kids, that's for sure. Um, so I think I just did all five. Did I miss any? Serving. Did I miss serving? No. Um, I think I did. Sorry. Um, serving, I think that's a really important parent one. Like Horst said, we used to have a... We used to love it when parents would take their kids with them and serve uh, alongside them because parents' attitude to serving very much has a massive influence on the kids. If parents are whinging in the car on the way to church about having to provide morning tea or they're running late and they're stressed because someone else didn't turn up, or um, that will influence the kids massively, won't it? You all know these things. Um, what we're going to do now, um, I have one little example I'm going to share with you just because I think it ticks the box of the whole big ecosystem working together um, and also shows how it involves the um, wider church. So, in terms of loves God's word, um, it used to be something I did. When, when we were a church plant, we were very small and we didn't have many kids. Like I said, two of them were mine and one was another little baby. Um, and then we, had, we were a young congregation, but then they started to have children. And that was really exciting for me because there's more kids for my kids program that I was running for three kids. Uh, so I got so excited I would give them a Bible. I'd give them that David Helm big picture Bible. Um, 
you know the one I mean, big square heavy one worth about 45 bucks, yeah. Um, it wasn't back then, like I've been horrified how much it's um, gone. <laughs> so I used to buy it, I loved it, give it to the parents when they had their first child with a little verse or a card saying, even before they can understand the words, it's great if you can set up a habit of reading with them, they'll love to hear your voice, it's a wonderful thing and pray, pray with them and um, I just would encourage them and get them to set up a habit of it. Um, and it very quickly, as probably has happened in some of your churches, that got out of control and I was um, uh, doing a lot more of it. So I started then, because every church kid, family in the church had a copy of this Bible, I wrote a program based around this Bible because the kids were already familiar with it. They already had heard it. Parents were telling me the kids just wanted to keep reading with them. They loved having that adult attention. So I wrote a program around it. So when they got up to preschoolers, the... Bible that we used for two years was that Bible we just cycled through and the kids were very familiar and they loved it and they could tell you what happened next and they could answer the questions and yeah all of that and then there was just too many Bibles for me to buy and so the membership team said well we could take that on let's take that on and I thought that was really great like that's the ecosystem so when a new family has a or when a family has a new baby the membership team buys them the Bible gives it to them encourages them and so it's that working together of the church family for something that I hope laid a foundation of love for God's word. Certainly, the kids were, by that preschool age, even though it's, a co- it's not a simple Bible, um, the kids were, they knew, this is the time I sit down, this is when I concentrate, this is when I listen to God's word together with my church family. Yeah. Um, that, so that's a small illustration, but you can see how it's kind of part of the bigger ecosystem. What you're going to do now, you've got one on your table, one of the loves, and you've got a little timeline from 2 to 20, In a group together, I want you to think intentionally about how to grow that love that you've got on the top across the ages of 2 to 20. Um, There might be something that you're doing that's working well, like I just shared with you that small example. Um, It might be an area you need help thinking through and others in your group can help you. But uh, I want you to keep it concrete. Write down some of these ideas, so some for like that preschool age, some for the school age and some for high school or young uh, youth Keep it concrete. Don't have it out in the, oh, well, I want to teach them to um, love God more because that's very vague. I can't think of something that's more, less vague. Um, make it concrete. Say we think we could try this or that or I need, my leaders need training in reading the Bible to kids because they just make it sound so boring, something like that. Um, so a lot of them will be either resource needs or people needs or training needs, um, program needs. Yep. Have a little go at that. We've got a bit of time because this is where I want you to start thinking through critiquing your program and putting into practice. It's like doing an audit on your own kids ministry, where the holes are, what you could do to uh, improve. All right, I'm going to call you back. Hopefully you've uh, had some time to think concretely and apply some of what we've been talking about. I just love walking around and seeing all these great ideas coming out and people talking about stuff they're already doing. So that's a win, isn't it? Something you're already doing. Um, You've (laughs) uh, remembered the purpose of why you were doing it. Get buried under all the other stuff that's going on. Um, I'm going to go around, well, horse is about to take over. I'm going to go around and take photos of each of these and put them on that app thing, yep, so that you can have a look at what other people came up with, remember what you wrote down, all that kind of thing. Um, but now that we've um, now that we've got these great intentional plans, it's pretty clear that um, we can't do it all. Like some of us, I saw were involving other teams or other other groups of people in it as well, parents or whatever. Um, so we need more leaders. Obviously, we need more input from parents. Um, we need, you might need input from your senior pastor to give you some money to buy some resources for this. Um, how do we get people on board? Horse is going to answer that question about getting people on board. Yeah. Um, but I think um, maybe Michael, does that have, hopefully that activity helped to sort of address where you were heading. Um, what we wanted to, to do that activity was to, to see that developing these loves in children and in kids and in their hearts is something that we can do at different ways at all different times throughout their whole development. Um, and I think it's just, again, it's just a matter of being intentional and taking those opportunities at lots of different ages um, and just to keep growing. You might even want to choose, so this Sunday 
uh, or this next time I'm with these kids, I want to intentionally help and grow them in this particular thing. Or it might be that passage that you're looking at really helps us to go, oh, wow, um, you've studied a, a particular character of God. Man, doesn't that just help us love God so much more? Just a simple language that they can use and keep, um, keep using and, and growing in. All right, uh, Sarah has, yes, trumped me up to say that I've got some answers to solve all of our people problems because um, that's what this conference is all about, right? Mobilising people into ministry, mobilising uh, and equipping the saints for works of service. Um, and so you've come here for the silver bullet, yeah? Okay. Um, but this is, we're starting heading to this people part, getting the right people, but also sometimes it can be just getting enough people, um, and so uh, let's hand up if your church is um, you know, under 50 people, 50 people or less. Okay, we'll move along. What about 50 to 120? Yeah, 50 to 100. Okay, so keep your hand up if you've got enough kids leaders and youth leaders. Okay. Well, hands up if your uh, church is somewhere between 120 and 250 people, adults, kids, all that sort of stuff. Nice and high. Cool. Keep your hand up if you've got enough kids leaders. All right. Hands up if your church is somewhere between 250 and 500. That wasn't the one I just did, was it? Good. Great. Excellent. Keep your hands up if you don't need any more leaders. You've just got enough. All right. I'll hand over the microphone now. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. You're obviously doing something really well and, and right. Um, so that is cool. <laughs> We're stealing them from the other ministry. We're pulling the blanket, like uh, pulling the doona over the bed. Uh, oh, it was a cold light, night last night. I ended up doubling my doona over. I think Graham needs to advance his uh, analogy. All right, uh, what if you're, if you're anyone here uh, whose church is over 500 people? Yep, few, uh, fantastic. And keep your hand up if you've got enough kids leaders. <laughs> no, we're not. I'd probably want to say, um, for those of you who you know, either are close to having enough or, yeah, we've, we've got good uh, numbers of leaders now, if God's going to answer this prayer uh, for um, ever-increasing, uh, ever-deeper disciples in ever-increasing numbers, we might have enough now. But what about when God answers that prayer? If God chooses to answer that prayer in our church, uh, I'm pretty scared because I don't have enough leaders um, and, it, and it can be a bit of a scramble. Um, I wanted to do that just to show you, I, if there was a silver bullet, surely we would have, someone would have worked and, and landed on that right now. And uh, it is a common question that I find time and time again as I talk with kids' ministers and they will say to me, how do you get people? And there's a, um, a misnomer that, oh, horse, you've got a massive church. Surely you have enough leaders. I wish. No, it is it's really, really hard because uh, as big as churches get, there are just more systems and structures that need to be put in place to love people. Um, there's more people to love, more ways to to love people. So there is no silver bullet, I'm afraid, uh, to quote Andrew. Um, as we though seek to mature Christians in ever-increasing number, we want to make sure, oh, what's that? We're already in a, in a position. And I fully agree with Herdy, even though there is no Bible passage to, to back us up on this one, that I think God will choose those churches who are ready and to, to take on and to grow to fulfil that. Uh, and I would love to see us, our churches, being in a place, not just thinking, right, let's get uh, kids leaders and uh, set up our programs for the kids that we've got now. Uh, let's keep recruiting, let's keep building teams so that God could bring five more families this weekend and we'd be okay. Uh, we're growing leaders so that next year we could have another 15 families join us and that would be great. Uh, and it's an ecosystem thing. We need to, uh, as a whole church, know how we're going to love them and in include them into church and invite them to be on uh, mission for Jesus in our local area. 
to, uh, to be loving God's word, to be repenting of sin, to be growing in character and growing in, in building each other up uh, and all of that. Um, so I want to show you, uh, just take you through some of my latest thinking. Um, so this is a current thing that I'm thinking through. Yeah. Paraphrase or re- rephrase that. Um, the, that Macedonian churches were, were loving and supporting and, and sending resources in, in um, uh, as we looked at last night, that was in the case of money. But yeah, is there ways that we can love and support each other by raising leaders and sending them to, into other churches that might need them? Is that have sort of summarised that? Uh, I think there's room for that and, and we want to be open to that. And I think also just coming to conferences like this to be hearing how others are doing it as well um, can, be, can be a part of that. Certainly, um, uh, there's a store for MTS uh, who seeks to raise up future gospel workers. And so, yeah, we want to be raising up not just leaders within our churches, but leaders of churches that are going to be going out away from our churches, going to Bible college, being trained to go into full-time vocational ministry, so it's all of that, um, yeah. All right, I want to put um, forward, I think, a couple of barriers that I've noticed that are just barriers I found in inviting people into to kids' ministry and where my thinking has started to head. Um, it's a costly ministry, I think. Uh, it, it's a time cost that... Um, that we ask people to give up. It might be an, an added time slot on a Sunday if you've got multiple services. Um, come to this service uh, for yourself, be part of that community, and then come and serve at this other one and teach another group of kids. But that's, you know, that's, that writes off Saturday, uh, Sunday for a lot of people. Um, and I love those people. I think they're letting church blow up their weekend. That's a phrase sort of we, we love to see. Um, or it might be... Um, would you give up coming into church for a term to teach kids? It's a costly service um, in both situations um, when that happens. And so it is a big thing to ask people to, to join and be involved in, in discipling kids or come to something else in your already busy week. Um, so it's a costly service. I think it's also a largely an unseen ministry um, that it, the growth and discipling of kids happens often during church um, with a, a dedicated kids program. Uh, sometimes it's a bit of both. The kids are in church, but then they head out. Uh, that certainly makes it a whole lot more visible. But largely it's an unseen or during midweek programs. People don't know that they go on. They don't know who's serving in them. They may be sitting next to someone on a Sunday and they're rubbing shoulders with someone and they just don't know that they were um, spending Sunday afternoon uh, teaching kids while they're down at the beach or something like that. So it's largely unseen, um, and I think like Graham Fuller said yesterday, it's not one of what I would call an attractive ministry area. It's not one of those, um, yeah, oh, I'd love to be on that team. Uh, we, they are, it's great when people say, I'd love to come and get involved in kids ministry, but it's pretty rare. The invitation is usually there. And I think we also don't do ourselves any favours when we start recruiting out of desperation. Um, I've been there, I've done that, because it's just been one of those weeks, um, but I don't think that ever is a helpful place to be in. It's not a nice, no one ever likes being there, but I understand it's a reality a lot of the time. Um, so, Kiralee, could you just maybe just hit that, that thingy? Here's something that I've been um, just thinking of lately, uh, being really intentional um, about these four different phases of people being involved in, in, in any ministry, but I've been thinking about this in terms of kids and youth ministry. Um, because kids' discipling is an, uh, often an unseen and an un, uh, a costly ministry, how do we go at exciting people about discipling kids and teens and then also actually getting them excited to, to the point of, hey, I'd love to get involved? Um, so on your sheets there, um, give yourself a star rating out of five. How well do you reckon you go at exciting people around a vision, the one I use is um, seeing those 20-year-olds living and loving Jesus. How do you go about that? I gave my church a big fat zero for this. Oh, maybe I've been hard on myself. Um, but I don't think I spent... There's so much time gets spent on 
the program that there is hard to show people, look at all the great stuff that is happening in kids' church, the way kids' lives are being changed. Um, but I, just got to, I want to work really hard on finding a way to excite people about the discipleship, the growth of children, to the point where I, I want to get involved in that and, and be, um, be part of it. Excellent. Okay, so excite. This is something an area that I've recognised that I'm really uh, not being intentional about. Uh, and so, how can I, when I invite people into ministry, expect them to say yes um, when there's not necessarily an excitement going on? And so, telling loads of stories lo- uh, of leaders of why they got involved. But I think, and again, from yesterday, something that struck me. Uh, the leader's saying, I understand that G- what Jesus has done for me, that's why I serve. And I choose to serve in kids' ministry because, so that we don't ignore that gospel, that grace, how much Jesus has served us already. Uh, but yes, be creative um, about finding ways to excite church about the discipleship of children and to the point where they might get involved in it as well. Then we want to then, put, I think these next three are a whole lot quicker engaging uh, then those new people with all that purpose stuff we spent um, a fair bit of time on this afternoon. So they go, yes, now I really understand what I'm getting involved in, engaging them with that purpose. Uh, And then there's a whole lot of practical ways that we need to engage them properly through putting them with a... uh, depending on their experience, someone who's already an experienced leader, if we can, so they don't have that sink or swim type experience. That's often very discouraging. Um, but engaging them well in the ministry, that they have a positive experience of, yes, I didn't know what I was getting involved in, but they love me through the process. I've been informed and now I'm sitting in it and engaged in it. Um, give yourself, yeah, how are you going at that? Out of five stars, that engagement process when you do get people into, into ministry, I think these are just four areas that I've found I need to be deliberate at, all of them. How well do you engage uh, your team in the purpose and the vision and the, of the ministry? I think equip, um, I'll be pretty quick on the equip one because I think this is f- probably the one that we all do fairly well. We've got leaders in, we want to equip them well and there are loads of resources um, like the SNBC Kids Ministry Conference that was on a couple of weeks ago. Excellent conference for equipping the those who are involved in that coalface children's ministry um, but we always want us to equip and resource and encourage our leaders as they're going about it um, and Loads of different ways, I'm sure you can do that. I would say that you're probably fairly deliberate on the equipping one, um, but that could be helpful to think carefully into. Are you equipping, supporting, encouraging your leaders in the vital work that they're doing, this word ministry that they're doing? Um, I think it's... The reason I think it's important is I want for, for someone, if they were to ask, so how's ministry going? Um, I would love for them to say, oh, it's pretty full on, but I, I, I am being supported. And I think different people will need different levels of support. For some people, that might be a phone call once a term. For others who are new in it, it might be pretty regular support or training um, and equipping. But yeah, don't underestimate the value of e- ongoing equipping and supporting leaders once they're already in so that they get... I love this ministry. I feel supported in it. I'm continually brought back to what we're trying to achieve in these, the hearts and lives of these kids through the gospel, the clear preaching of the gospel. Uh, and then the last one, extend. Uh, now, I think I really stuffed up on this last year. Um, an example, I had a set of a married couple who had been through our Sunday Kids Church program uh, and they grew up as into, into that as leaders. They're university students. And uh, they took on our afternoon, Friday afternoon kids club and they grew as leaders uh, through un- while they had the time at uni. Even when uh, Nicole started working, she was asked for Fridays off. Her boss said, yeah, sure. And so she was able to continue that while her husband was finishing uni. They finished uni at the end of last year and they 
the conversation was very early. I said, look, horse, um, our circumstances are going to change. I don't know if we're going to be able to keep leading Rush Kids Club, we call it. Um, and so there was good notice and so we could transition them out and get some other leaders in. Love them for that. That's sort of the level of maturity we want in all of our leaders, right? Uh, and so as we discussed it, they ended up going off and to be growth group leaders. I think it has been a good step for them. They're now leading a growth group. Um, and I realised, oh, man, I could have kept them in kids' ministry because of their experience and, and help be part of this equipping um, as a mentor uh, of new leaders, use their experience. And I could have extended their... Um, they were already extended into leadership but then extended their, um, their life and input into kids' ministry by doing, being a mentor, being a support. And I think, oh, I've really stuffed that one up. I've lost them to growth group leading. Um, I might be able to win them back. But um, not just that. I think uh, I appreciate being extended in my kids' ministry. I think that's what I love about going to the SNBC Kids' Ministry Conference is that I get reinvigorated and go, oh, there's some great ideas. I could learn puppeting uh, and get going that. Or I could just teach myself the ukulele and then I can sing some songs and I extend my own skills and keep me going rather than being, I think I've really done all I can here in this ministry and I might go and check out something else. And so this is a framework, not a Reach Australia framework, but I just wanted to share some of this thinking. It came out of a serve... Um, intensive that I went to as part of that Reach Australia Development Program that I went, hmm, these are four areas I think I do fairly well at engaging and equipping. Um, I've missed a trick with extending. I don't really, really need to pay some attention to that. And exciting, that's really important and working currently on that as a project. So thanks for your, your ideas. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Reach Australia podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, why not check out some of the other podcasts in our network? The One Thing, the Church Planning Australia podcast, and Homegrown Faith. They can all be found on the same platform that you're streaming this on.